Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as our country celebrates uh, another Independence Day tomorrow, we just want to thank you. We just want to let you know how grateful we are that you've provided for us. We thank you for our country. We thank you for the freedoms that we have, those privileges that we enjoy. Help us, Lord, to be responsible. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you now that we would, we would pray for the leaders of our country and those who lead, give leadership in our community and in the government. We pray, Father, that you would grant them wisdom, grant them courage to make the right decisions that affects the people. Help them, Lord, to, uh, to reign ju- uh, judiciously with justice and with mercy. And Father, we just thank you for this great country that we live in. Many times, Father, we, we complain or we gripe, but help us, Father, just to be grateful for all the privileges that we have because we live in this beautiful country. We thank you, Lord, for those men and those women who, uh, who give of their time and their service and even the, uh, sacrifice their own lives to protect our country, to preserve the freedoms that we have here. We pray a protection, your hedge of protection around them as well. So, Lord, thank you again. Thank you that we can live in a country where we are free, that we are free indeed. And Father, we thank you most of all for the freedom that is found in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can be free from the bondage of sin. So Lord, as we celebrate today, this week, and as we celebrate tomorrow, help us, Lord, just to be mindful of all those things. We give you praise and honor and glory, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to greet you this morning. Is God doing good things in your life today? Amen. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, we were in California. We were in Disneyland. We had taken our uh, children's singing company to Disneyland after they won uh, won the championship. And we were going through Disneyland, and probably most of you have been through Disneyland. Any of you ever gone to that ride, um, Finding Nemo? Right? It's the one you go in the submarine, you go under, in, underneath the water, you kind of look out those little windows and you see the little fish swimming by. It was a great thing for us because we had about 25 kids with us and about 8 or 10 adults. And it was a long day, it was a hot day, we were, uh, had been in lines all day. We got into, finally got into the submarine, we went into it, they closed the hatch, we sort of turned the lights down low. It was really cool in there because they had air conditioning. And then the submarine started moving, and all the kids were looking out the windows. And I looked around in the submarine. We had about 30 of us in the group. All the kids were looking out the windows, and all the adults were fast asleep. Fast asleep. Right, Rick? Rick fell asleep. It was great. But there's a movie that just came out recently, sort of a sequel to Finding Nemo, and that's Finding Dory. Any of you ever, haven't even seen that movie yet? I hear it's a great movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's a great, warm, heartwarming story. It's so good that my daughter Gabby went to see it twice already. That's how good it was. Who would know that a fish story would be so good? But speaking of fish stories, this is my segue. Is there a better story in the Bible than the story of Jonah? Jonah and the whale, right? Now, it really wasn't a whale. Where is he? Where's Jonah? Dinner. Jonah and the whale. It really wasn't a whale, but it was a, a big fish. But generations of children have listened 
have listened with wide-eyed amazement at this story of this great big fish that swallowed a man, a whole man, alive. And three days later, spit him out. And the man survived to tell the story. So you all heard the story of Jonah and the whale, right? You all know that story. Well, great. Because I remember my days going to Sunday school, and we used to sing a song back then. It's called Jonah and the Whale. So if you want to bear with me, I'm going to try to sing this song. All right? If you know the song, join me. I need the help. All right? Here we go. It's a tough crowd. It goes like this. Oh, yeah, thanks for the encouragement. I need it. After I sing, you'll know why I'm not on the worship team. Well, something like this. Now, listen to my tale of Jonah and the whale, away down in the middle of the ocean. Ocean. You said, you said sing with you if, you, if we knew it. Now, how did he get there? Whatever did he wear? Away down in the middle of the ocean. Ocean. (laughs) A preacher he should be to Nineveh, you see. He disobeyed a very foolish notion. Notion. But God forgave his sin. Salvation entered in. Away down in the middle of the Way, way down, down in the, the middle, middle of the, the way down in the middle of the, the ocean. All right. No hanos. No hanos. Okay, you can go sit down. Okay. Jonah and the whale. We love this story, and we all know the story. But for all of our telling and retelling of it, I think we barely understand what it means. We know on the surface, Jonah gets supposed to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites and runs away from God and gets thrown into the ocean off a ship, gets swallowed by a big fish, gets vomited up again, and we know the story. But today, we begin a five-part sermon series on the book of Jonah, on the book of Jonah. And we're going to learn more about Jonah than probably you've uh, ever heard before. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Jonah. It's a little tiny book. It's in the Old Testament. It's a little difficult to find. If you need help, I'll give you a hint. It's between the books of Obadiah and Micah. That really helps, right? Jonah's one of the minor prophets. So he's kind of lost there towards the end of the Old Testament. If you really can't find it, it's on page 990 in my Bible. I don't know about yours. But just look at the table of contents and you can look it up. The book of Jonah. And so this morning, I'm just going to give you a brief introduction to the book. And in the coming weeks, we're going to dive a little bit deeper, dig a little bit deeper uh, into the rest of the story. And there's a lot to learn from this book of Jonah. A lot to learn. But there's nothing, more, there's nothing that more clearly summarizes the true meaning of this book than the simple phrase found in Jonah chapter 2, 
verse 9, and it says, this is, I believe it's the key verse. It says, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And as we begin our journey with Jonah, let me clarify one point. Let me clarify this point, that Jonah, although the book is named after him, although that's what our series is all about, Jonah is not the hero of the story. Jonah is not the hero of the story. You see, the, hero, the real hero of the story is God. Because as we look at the beginning of Jonah, we see Jonah running away from God, running away from his responsibility. And that's not very hero-like, is it? At the beginning of the book, Jonah's running away. And at the end of the book, we look at Jonah again in chapter 4, and we see him, we see him pouting. We see him whining. We see him complaining. We see him arguing with God. Again, that's not very hero-like behavior, is it? So Jonah's really not the hero. He's a big part of the story, but he's really not the hero. You see, God is. God is the hero. And this book is really about God. And we can see it clearly this way. If you, really, if you read through the chapters, you would see that the fish, the great fish, is mentioned four times. We can see that the city of Nineveh is mentioned nine times. We can see that Jonah's name is mentioned 18 times, but we can see that God's name is mentioned 38 times. 38 times. So I would encourage you, during this week, if you haven't already read it, to read the book of Jonah. It's very short. It's very simple. You can probably read it in about 10 minutes. But the message is clearly about God and how great his heart is toward toward prodigal sons and prodigal daughters who run, run away from him. And as we go through the book of Jonah, we're going to see that God, God never gives up on Jonah. God never gives up on him. When he runs away, God doesn't give up on him. He pursues him. He goes after him. When he's disobedient, he doesn't give up on Jonah. And at the end of the story, when God works miracles in people's lives, and Jonah is pouting about it and complaining about it, God still goes after Jonah. So here's the key lesson to take away this morning, is that as we look at the story of Jonah, as we look at his character, we can see that we, you and I, we're so much like Jonah. We're so much like Jonah that it's scary. You see, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And as we realize that, as we go through this book, we need to realize that we need to press into God's grace. God's grace, that's the overriding theme of the book of Jonah. And as we come to terms with what Jonah came to terms with, as we come to terms what we will come to terms with as we go through this book, we need to make sure that we lean into and press into God's grace. So with that as an introduction, let me give you some three quick notes about the book of Jonah. Number one, the book of Jonah is a true story. It's a true story. Now there may be critics... There may be skeptics, but I believe this story is recorded as historical truth. That, that means that there really was a man named Jonah who really did flee to Tarshish, who really was swallowed whole by a great fish, who really did survive for three days in the belly of that fish, and who was actually vomited up on dry ground. It's all true, just the way that it was written 
It's not a myth. It's not a legend or a fable or a parable. Jonah is a true story. And we can date this book back to about 765 B.C. during the reign of Jeroboam II, who was the king of Israel at the time. This is a true story. Now, if you don't believe me, it's okay. It's okay if you don't believe me. But check out the New Testament, because even Jesus Christ himself refers to Jonah. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus said this. He said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's a true story. And Jesus referred to Jonah being three days in the belly of the well, that Jesus would be three days in the belly of the earth after he was crucified. They laid him in the tomb for three days. And three days later, he was miraculously resurrected, just like Jonah was resurrected after three days. So I believe it's a true story. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, it's a short story. I've already said that it's short. It's only four chapters long. There's only 48 verses. There's just over about 1,300 words. And you can probably read this in about 10 or 15 minutes. And I would encourage you to do that. Just so that you get more familiar with the story as we look at it in the next few weeks. So it's a short story, yet it tells us all that we need to know. And as I looked at the story, it really makes for good drama. Because in the story, there's, there's tension. There's adventure. There's conflict. And I bet if they actually made it into a movie, they'd have some really cool special effects. And so although it's quite a simple story, it is still quite deep and profound. And that's why we're looking into it and studying it. And it helps us to see, really, into the heart and the character of God. Hopefully our eyes will be opened so that we can see God in a, in a, in a bigger perspective. That we can actually see how his amazing grace takes place. That God is love. That God is grace. So it's a true story. It's a short story. And the third thing that, that I have this morning, it's a relevant story. It's a relevant story. We can all relate to it. I believe we can all relate to, to Jonah. You know, I'm sure most of us know what it means and what it feels like to run away from something. To run away from something. To something that we're af- from something that we're afraid of. Something that we're anxious about. Something that we don't want to face. And I'm sure every one of us here this morning can probably remember a time, can relate to a time when we chose to run away. But we also know how creative the Lord can be when he wants to bring us back to where we need to be. And we're going to see that as we study this book. So you can see up here, here's a simple outline to help us understand the flow of the story. And this is what we'll be looking at for the next several weeks. So in chapter 1, we see that Jonah is running from God. He's running away from God. God told him to do something, and he doesn't want to do it. So what does he do? He runs away. In chapter 2, we see Jonah 
that he's praying to God. How many of you, if you were caught alive in the belly of a big fish, how many of you would be praying? I think all of us would be. But in chapter 2, we see, we see Jonah praying to God. And then in chapter 3, the, the story progresses. Jonah's given a second chance. And we see him actually going back and doing what God asked him to do in the first place. He speaks for God. He preaches where he was supposed to have preached in the first place. And then it comes full circle around again to chapter 4. We see Jonah pouting. Pouting. I figured that there'd be a happy ending to this story. But it didn't appear like it was that happy of an ending for Jonah. It was a happy ending because all the people were saved that he preached to. But Jonah wasn't very happy about that. And so we see in the fourth chapter, Jonah pouting. But also learning about God. Learning about who God is. His character of grace and love and mercy. So we call this book one of the minor prophets. As we know that Jonah was a prophet in Israel. But it's really a book about Jonah and God. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ loved this story because Jonah is the only minor prophet that Jesus mentioned by name. And I referred to that earlier in Matthew chapter 12. But for the rest of the time this morning, that was a brief introduction, the rest of the time this morning, I want us to look at the first couple of verses. And I want, to, I want us to look at the call of God in Jonah's life. And that really sets the tone. It sets the foundation for the rest of the book. The call of God in Jonah's life. The story begins this way. It says in verses 1 and 2, Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And the Lord said, Jonah, go, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because the wickedness has come up before me. So God said, Jonah, this is what I want you to do. Get up and go. And go to Nineveh. And what are you, there, what are you, are you supposed to there, do there? You're supposed to preach against them. Not tell them that God loves them. God has a plan for their life. No, he says to preach against them. Because of their wickedness. And next week you're going to find out more about how wicked these people really were. How wicked and how how atrocious they were. But that was his calling. That was the command. That was the instructions from God. He says, Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, Jonah was a prophet of God, a spokesperson for God. And it's obvious, it's obvious, and I've said this before, that he was a real person. He's not a made-up character. He's not a myth. He's just not an urban legend. He's a flesh and blood person, just like you and me. And that is so important to establish, to establish the fact that Jonah was a real person, that he was real flesh and real blood, just like you and just like me. And why is it important to establish that? It's because God actually spoke to Jonah. As a human being, God actually spoke to Jonah. And he put a call on the life of Jonah. He put a call on the life of Jonah, just like God speaks to all of us, his children. Just like he called Jonah, 
He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Just like he called Jonah, he calls each and every one of us to do something. He calls each and every one of you. And what is obvious about this is that Jonah knew who, who, who was talking to him. Remember, Jonah was a prophet. So God would often speak through him. He was God's mouthpiece. So God would say this to Jonah and says, Jonah, you tell this to the people. So he was well acquainted with God. And he was well acquainted with hearing God's voice. And so the question I have for us this morning is this. Are you that acquainted with God's voice? Can you hear God's voice? Because I believe he's speaking loud and clear to each and every one of us. And the question is, are you that acquainted with God's voice? When he speaks, can you discern his voice? Sometimes we have so much noise in our life that we can't even hear our own selves think, much less hear the still, small voice of God. You see, God's special calling to Jonah was to go to Nineveh, to bring God's message to the people. And as we think about the calling, as we think about the calling of God in Jonah's life, I want us to consider the calling of God in your life. Because I believe God is calling each and every person in this room that he has a special calling for you. And he says, Kirby, I'm calling you. He says, Joella, I'm calling you. Just like he said to Jonah, Jonah, I need you to get up and go to Nineveh. He's saying, Braden, get up. I need you to go somewhere. Get up out of bed. Quit sleeping in. No. But we all have a calling. And I want us to consider the calling of God in your life. Now, what do I mean by the calling of God? It's simply this. It's simply this, that you are no accident, that you are created by God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he imagined you that he imagined you way before your mom and dad ever met one another. Can you believe that? His calling, his purpose for you and for for every other soul on this earth is far more significant than we sometimes know or understand. He has a calling and a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And God calls us to his purpose. And God calls us for his purpose. And that calling comes in as many different ways as there are colors and sizes and shapes of people. So the question is, so what is God's call in your life? What is his specific plan and purpose for you? You see, for Jonah, it was the call to go to Nineveh to preach. For Moses, it was to go back to Egypt to free his people from slavery and from Pharaoh. For Peter and James and John, Their calling was to give up their fishing nets and to become fishers of men. For Phil Lum, for myself, the call was to serve God as an officer in the Salvation Army, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination, 
to save souls, grow saints, and serve suffering humanity. You know, the Lord called me to be a Salvation Army officer more than 30 years ago. And even though, even though there were many ups and downs throughout those years, the Lord continued to call me. And the Lord continues to confirm my calling each and every day of my life. And I know that this is what God created Phil Lum to do. That is his plan. That is his purpose. That is my destiny. God's calling in my life has never been more sure than it is today. So the question is, what's God's call in your life? We're all different. We don't need to compare ourselves with one another. But it's all a question we all have to ask ourselves and eventually come up with an answer. What is God calling me to do? You see, his calling is unique and special. And it's different for every individual. Why? Because God, because it is God who's personally calling you to accomplish his purpose. Now I'm sure that there are many of you here this morning who are right where God wants you to be. Living life on purpose. Loving him and serving him right where he has placed you. Just as he created you to be. And you are living that out. You're living your calling out. And that's great. And you're thriving in the name of Jesus. And that's wonderful. God bless you. But I also know that there are others who are missing out on all that God has planned for their lives. You may be living a good life, but something's missing. And deep down, you, you, you kind of sense it. And you know it. And just like God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, to step out of his comfort zone, and we'll see how Jonah responded next week. Just in the same way that he called Jonah, God is calling each and every one of us. And then when he calls, he requires a response. So my challenge for you today, my challenge for you today, is that you would open your heart and your spirit and to have ears to hear God's calling. Do you hear his voice? Maybe we need to quiet our hearts a bit, quiet our lives, put away the distractions, put away all the noise, and listen for his voice. I'm going to ask Freddie to come out to play the piano. But that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Because I believe God is calling each and every one of us. It may be a very specific calling. It may be a more general calling. But the point is, we need to be listening. Because God is speaking loud and clear. And would you recognize his voice? Perhaps there are some of you today here who God is calling. Perhaps God is calling you to salvation. To accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time. It is a call. It's an invitation. Jesus has come. I died on the cross for you. I love you with an everlasting love. I don't want to see you hurt and suffering and 
weighed down by a burden of sin, come. I'm calling you to salvation. I've already provided that for you. Perhaps there are some people here today who need to respond to that call. And perhaps there are some of you today who God God is calling to holiness, to live a life of self-denial, to have an undivided and and a pure heart, a heart that's fully devoted to Jesus. Sometimes we live our life with one foot with Jesus Christ and the other foot in the world. We live with a divided heart. Maybe God is calling you today to live a life of holiness, to set apart for Jesus, fully set apart. Perhaps there's some of you today who God is calling into service, to serve in the church, to serve in the community, to serve around the globe. See, you see, all he wants, all he wants from us is a receptive heart and a willing spirit. And sometimes we make excuses and say, God, I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. But when God calls and we respond in obedience, he promises to equip us, to make us able to fulfill the calling that he's placed in our life. He just wants us to obey. And so there are many unmet needs in our world today. And God wants to use you to be his hands and his feet to bring healing and hope to a broken world, to build his kingdom, and to bring honor and glory to his name. What is God calling you to do today? Perhaps God is calling you to be, more, to be a more faithful husband. Or to be a more faithful wife. Perhaps he's calling you to be a a better father. Or a better mother. Or a better employee. Or a better friend. Whatever he's calling you to, I guarantee you, it may not be safe. It may not be nice and clean. But it'll be good. Because God is good. He's good. There's a verse that's often quoted. And it talks about God's plan and purpose for our lives. And that's what he's calling us to. Jeremiah 29, 11, God promises. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's good plans. It's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It's plans to give you hope and a future. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. And it's good. And it's good. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing. It's a very simple song. It's called I Surrender. When God calls, all we need to do is surrender to him. And as they sing, listen to Father, that is our prayer this morning. We want to know you more. Sometimes, Lord, all we can do is just surrender to you. 
And when we surrender, Lord, it's, there's really nothing to be afraid of because of your amazing love and your amazing grace. And so, Father, I pray for each person, each soul here this morning. I thank you for that calling that you've placed in each of our hearts. I thank you that you love us. You first loved us, and because of that, we can love you back. So, Lord, all we need to do is respond to your calling. All we need to do is respond to your gracious invitation. And I pray, Father, that our hearts would be broken. They would come humbly before you and just surrender. Surrender to your will. Surrender to your plan and to your purpose for our lives. And Father, I know, I know that there's no better place to be than to be, the, than to be in the center of your will to be held in the palms of your hand and just to know and just to be and to be the person that you created us to be and to do the work that you've appointed us to do. And so, Father, we just say once again as a body of believers that we love you and that we surrender ourselves to you. Have your way in us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to run away from you like Jonah did. But we, run a, we want to run to you. We want to press into you. We want to lean on you. And Father, we just humbly come and say, I love you. And I love you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder of who you are. And who we can be because of you. So Lord, thank you again. I pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you.